0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim, and Chris on today's Tour Catch Up, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. Sviontek dismantles the field in Doha.
1: Medvedev rules in Rotterdam. and awesome Alcaraz lights up Buenos Aires.
0: Kim, Chris, today is the 20th of February and we are here to catch up on the Week in Tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ, specially backed by our crowdfunders, Alexandra McClelland and Julie Tharp. It's been another fascinating week. On the ATP and WTA tours, we've had mayhem and destruction in Doha, courtesy of Igor Sviontek. Carlos Alcaraz has returned after four months to the tour with a bang in Buenos Aires. And Daniel Medvedev is back into the top 10 with the title in Rotterdam. And guys, I am very excited because all of this tennis has happened and it's pancake day tomorrow. So I'm, I'm also really looking forward to that.
2: Straight to the food, I love it. Um straight to what's coming up. Yeah, I don't sod the tennis. Let's talk about pancakes. Um it's the most exciting day of the year, is it not? Especially if you're a fan of eggs, flour and Nutella. Like well, what do you prefer
0: like are you like a crepe person or a buttermilk American style, like a short stack pancakes?
2: I normally go for the crepe style. Um I have not to a say. galette,
0: Kim. no.
1: A galette. A galette. What,
2: what is a galette?
1: i believe it's made with buckwheat flour oh
2: a buckwheat pancake no <laughs> i'm very... savory. you just it's made that up oh no i've got to go sweet i think um yeah I'm, I'm a very traditional like nutella girl i do like lemon and sugar though lemon and sugar's yeah. you know pretty damn good joel what would you have for your uh not, not fried chicken on your pancake no
0: unsurprisingly it is lemon sugar which Mando i feel sauce. is very basic. Yeah. And very uninspiring. However, I was in this exact conversation with my friends yesterday, and one person uh, I was speaking to said that they have a crepe wrapped around a pepperami stick.
2: Wow. <laughs> Is that horrible? Sounds- everyone just horrible. went silent
0: when that was sort of announced in like- the, in the group.
2: Oh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> what well, is like chorizo Something you keep to and yourself. pancakes, and yeah, maybe
0: I, I don't know. I don't There's know. Two things that maybe you shouldn't mix. Well, I'm going to try out tomorrow and
1: see. Yeah, see what it tastes like. You can report. You'll have to, to tell us next food. time, Joel. You'll be very jealous though, because in Denmark we actually have a special extra um, sweet treat called a Fest de bowl, which is um. A big, heavy bun filled with cream on the nineteenth of February. I'm not oh. sure why, but I'm doing <laughs> the double whammy from one of them to pancake day. So,
0: what's it called? A, f- a festil bowl. Fest-
1: oh wow! Oh, we've gone so we've, we've gone from like some that.
0: like gone from like pepperoni wrapped around a crepe to some very it sounds <laughs> like a very cultural and quite sounds quite tasty actually. Danish tradition. That's why I'm on the podcast for those Big cultural heavy buns. moments.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> um without further ado, perhaps we should talk about some tennis or we could be here all night debating the various <laughs> uh pros and cons of pancake toppings. Um but yeah, I mean, well, well, we've had quite a lot happen this week, um, including some, I mean, my my personal, before I ask you guys, my personal favourite thing that, about this week, and we will get onto it in more detail later, is actually talking about buns and, and pancakes. It's the Shwiątek Bakery because it's just reopened and she'll be selling a lot of bread sticks and bagels and buns and all sorts mm. going forward if she continues her run of form because um, yeah... She won the title out in Doha, but she lost five games on the way to the title, um, which is, I think, a record. I think that's the first time that's happened in 98 years that a player has lost so few games. Um, So that's just for me. That's my stat of the week. That's my fun fact of the week.
0: Kim, I'm not going to lie. I was not happy with that trail of destruction involving Danielle Collins. I mean, that was the most sort of get your own back on that Australian Open semi-final as it could be. I mean, the first set, the first set alone, Danielle Collins won 8% of her points on serve. 8%!
2: Shocking.
0: It's not right.
2: No winners, uh, 13 errors. She won four points in the whole set. It was over in 21 minutes. It's Um, bad. Absolute obliteration. Yeah. Yeah. But so, yeah, Svantec is serving up some nice sweet treats at the moment. But Joel... What got your um, interest this week? Obviously, apart from thinking about your pancakes.
0: Yeah, well, it was actually all the way over in Delray Beach. And it concerned Jack Sock, who lost in the first round to what could be maybe the comeback story of the year, already kind of sewn up on the ATP tour. 33-year-old Matija Pekatich who defeated SOT. He was a last-minute alternate in qualifying. He has a full-time job in real estate investment. He's a director of capital markets. I think he's a very, very clever chap. He's he had a couple of goes, I think, at a tennis career. COVID obviously did not help, and the, and the pandemic. He also, I think, had an injury that, again, put tennis on the back burner went and did some, I think he went to Harvard Business School and was, you know, chose basically a different path. But um yeah, has, has come back, took a chance, wanted to see where he could go. He felt like he was playing good tennis. And unbelievably, at 33 years old, he picked up his first ever victory on the ATP tour. There's hope for you still,
1: Joel.
2: Who's he going to jack up Jack in his real estate as a result.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I'm just thinking you could have a combination of breakpoint and selling sunset and combine the two, like Netflix mm. series. I love it. Estate, like by the
0: day I'm a tennis player, but by the night I'm just like calling the stock market. It's just some <laughs> moonlighting going on.
2: But yeah, Joel, you still have got some time to get your
0: make your ATP waited. debut. Tennis career. Yes, I, I was also I was also thinking that it's like there's still time for me. There's still time to make that journey.
2: It's never too late. And Chris, I think you mentioned something this week which got us both um, well a bit flabbergasted, really. But it also concerns a player that has maybe a bit of a side hustle. Is that right?
1: Yeah, an interest outside the court. That you're never too late to switch up your career. We're in the the time of the second career, and Lorenzo Sonego has managed to. Um, break the one million streams for his, um, I think it's believe it's his second song, um, and solo secondo, which um, Kim as the linguist of the group in Italian. Do we know what that means by any chance?
2: A single second? Yes. Only yes. second? Yeah, yeah. yes,
1: indeed. I mean, I'm yes, not I had to, Italian I had to is translate not my I... that <laughs> Um, It's a collaboration and I'd call it a sad end of summer bop would be the vibe that I give. I think it was kind of 2021 Wimbledon, not sure how he performed, but maybe not particularly well that year. Um, But it got me thinking about some of the the epic musical, um, the musical side hustles we've had from players such as Caroline Wozniacki with the smash hit Oxygen. Who can forget? We Love Our Tennis, a duet with Agnieszka Radwanska. Um but I had to see who was the most successful in the music off court and it was of course Yannick Noah, who um has had millions I mean, of, of albums course. sold. I Not mean how, how could Brothers. I forget? Didn't they have well, a I Well, I was going to say, band? Yeah. the Bryan Brothers... Well, the Brian Brothers did actually have um, a song called Autograph, which featured Andy Murray doing a rap. So if oh, we God. get the copyright, Joel, <laughs> please insert a clip around about now. Well,
0: yeah, I know we were honestly we were we were discussing it's like, can, can we get away with playing some of some of Sonigo's song in the pod without infringing on, on copyright? But we're probably going to leave it. But listeners, if you want to go have a listen, it is on Spotify. Just type in Lorenzo Sonigo. And uh, you can go you can go here it all in all its glory. I think it's I agree with you, Chris. I think it's a decent song. And who knows, maybe he is thinking, because I'm thinking, you know, players love to come out Eurovision. It's very Eurovision, Kim. It is. <laughs> I'm not thinking Eurovision. I'm thinking, you know, players coming out to walk on music in specifically in like indoor arenas. If I'm Lorenzo Sonigo, for me, that's free PR. I'm I'm telling the DJ, play my song, otherwise I'm not
1: coming out. I'm not yeah. sure you'd want just a yeah. second unless you're winning the match. <laughs> Otherwise, it's over before it started.
2: <laughs> yeah, bad omen. No, I love that. I'm, I'm going to go list, go give his tune a listen um, as soon as we finish recording. And I suggest our listeners do the same. Whether you like it or not, check it out. Um, well, let's look at the actual tennis uh, now. But one player who, yeah, was probably on and off the court in in just a second, likes on a go song, was Igor Sviontek because... She won her title in Doha uh, without breaking a sweat, really. Uh, She was on and off, uh, very sharpish in all her matches, um, winning the title for the loss of just five games across the whole tournament. Um, A lot of players would lose five games in a set, let alone across, you know, four matches. Um, She actually only played three matches. She had a walkover and and a bye in the first round. Um, But when she did play and take to the court, you know, it was 6-love, uh, six 6-1 six over Daniel Collins. Then she had a 6-love, six 6-1 six over Veronica Kudometeva. And then a six three six love against Jesse Pagula. Now, these are not players who are, you know, down in the dumps of the rankings. They are players who are at the higher echelons of the game. Um, Chris, was this just Shvontek back to her absolute best dominant form? Or does this indicate a, a, a wider problem, perhaps, with the fact that, players of, of a similar ranking are just not able to compete when Sioranta is playing decent tennis.
1: It's a bit of both I reckon. Clearly she was playing well, but the conditions in Doha are quite challenging in the sense that you do get some swirling wind and I think it's about your ability to be able to adapt to it and I think that's something that Iga is very good at. We've seen her win in the very cold October in Paris I think it was um, when a lot of players were struggling with those conditions. I I was very surprised by the Collins result, particularly. Um, that is very surprised because she's not a player that, that kind of gives you a win. Normally she'll find a way to dig deep or she'll be able to lift her game. So I think she must have been playing some pretty exceptional tennis, even though um, it doesn't look like much resistance was put up by some of these top players. Sounds like there was more wind resistance than... Uh, than yeah, more wind resistance. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way
0: to sum it up, Joel. <laughs> but I was I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah, we didn't get the Sviontek, Bencic quarterfinal. I mean, we should have got Sviontek, Azarenka. I don't... Bencic did immensely well to kind of come through that very long match. I mean, she lost the first set 6-1 and, and Azarenka really did have it on her racket. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get that matchup because I did think that those were, you know, they are two of the players who, you know, world number one and Bencic probably one of the most formed players on the tour at the moment. So maybe Bencic would have... if able to take to the court would have given her a better run for her money but um yeah no I was I was interested to read about you know Sviontek and her you know mental approach and how she was talking about you know focusing not necessarily on the WTA rankings based off of the last year um results, but actually just on the race, which is just your results from 2023. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective because you know we're all talking about, oh, how many points has she got to defend? Is that pressure going to get to her? Well it sounds like she's just, you know, using this to kind of block that out and just think, well, I've just got this year. I'm not going to compare and look into the past. All I'm going to do is focus and look ahead, and perhaps again, that's what has helped her in this tournament, and just focus on the situation at hand.
2: Yeah, I think that's quite a sensible like strategy, actually, because you know, every year, like whatever we're doing in our in our lives, we're a different person, you know, from month to month, year on year. We have different experiences, different things we can build on. So it's kind of unfair, I think, to compare yourself to exactly that time last year and what you were doing. Just like I wouldn't want to compare myself to the me of four years ago because probably quite different um due to the experiences we've had in between so I think that's a really sensible strategy and I think it will enable her to just focus you know on that given match and we know that that is when she is her most destructive when she doesn't have all that other sort of um all those other thoughts clouding her headspace um but Chris what what did, what did you make of, um, I mean, you spoke about it's, it's a bit of both. It's Sviante being very dominant, but also the strength of the women's field. But I mean, as a ticket holder, attending Sviante's matches, like you would not really want to see the world number, would you? But just in terms of like having kind of value for money, you'd probably be wanting to go and see Maria Sachary play Caroline Garcia because that went down to the wire, for example, <laughs> uh, providing a lot more kind of entertainment, if you like. Um, but yeah, I mean what what did you make of the fact that, that Schviontek has just claimed this this new kind of statistic? I think the first player this century to to win so few games on en route to the title, I mean, do you think we're gonna see that statistic beaten at any time soon? Will she beat her own record? Will it be four games next tournament?
1: Well, I think it's um it's something where people do love to see um, Eager playing well. And so I think uh, having had a period where she hasn't had that dominance, everyone enjoyed the winning streak. No one was bored of that at all. I think that was kind of headline news. So seeing her kind of get back onto the tour and playing well and picking up the title is something that people would definitely welcome. I think the nature of it has added some excitement because people do enjoy when Iga is handing out baked goods. But then at the same time, as you say, we've just been talking about the strength of the top 10 and strength of the women's game. And then Iga rocks up in Doha and kind of makes a mockery of some of the comments that we've made because it's clear that no one is in her league when she's playing well on an outdoor, on an outdoor court. I think on an indoor court, it's probably a little bit different If I was a ticket holder, it's great to see a player playing well. I prefer to see two players playing well. I think we're all in agreement there. And when Djokovic or Nadal have been pretty dominant, we've never seen scores like this as consistently. I mean, three bagels Mm. in three matches. And it's been um, a bit of a a a non-event from a competition perspective, but quite a significant event in terms of ego getting back to the top. I mean, that conversation literally changed in the space of
0: a week, didn't it? Because this time last week, we were like, oh, my God, have we seen the field in in Doha, the 500 (laughs) event? Wow, it's completely stacked. And now this week, we're kind of questioning, like... It's irrelevant. Yeah, like, yeah. it's Three it's, rounds it's of qualifying. Yeah,
2: I exactly. mean, just, just before we move on to kind of talk about the, the ATP matches, just for the, the purposes of providing the full context to the the stat, I mentioned before that the last time someone had only lost five games um, to to win a title was actually Suzanne Longlon in 1925, mm. and that was at Wimbledon. I mean, just think oh back, goodness. it's almost a whole century...
0: I love how it's a player that is known for the French Open at Suzanne Lonlen and has done it on the grass courts at Wimbledon.
2: Yeah, and she used to come on court swigging brandy, I think. She had like brandy <laughs> in a hip flask and just think, just think as how different the style of tennis was, the, the outfit. I mean, it's just a completely different era. So who would have thought, you know, 98 years later that... That would happen again. And so that's why I've just loved that this week. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, no offense to the fans who wanted a, a really competitive, you know, final between Schwantik and Pagula, um, the, you know, the top two seeds. But it was just, yeah, a cemented Eager's place in, in history, I guess. Um, but, Let's look at the results from the men's side, because we had a plethora of tournaments uh, for the men's tennis in the last week. Uh, let's look at Rotterdam, the 500 event um, out in the Netherlands. And yeah, a former world number one, uh, winning this title. Uh, Daniel Medvedev, back to winning ways, winning uh, winning in three sets over Yannick Sinner in the final. Five seven six two six two. Uh, I think Medvedev with that result is now back into the top ten. I think he's back at, in at number eight, um, and uh, this is his sixteenth title on the tour. Oh, although interestingly, Joel, I think this is the earliest in the season he's he's maybe won a title. I think usually we see him kind of peaking towards the the latter stages of the season, the U.S. Open uh, and the U.S. Hard Courts, for example. But what did you make of, of Medvedev this week in, in Rotterdam?
0: yeah it was interesting because you compare this to to last season you know his last season didn't it didn't really get going you know we had to wait until what seven eight months into the season for his form to really really pick up so I think he'll be really happy that he's been able to get a tournament um win uh you know so early on in the season and uh you know a big tournament as well It's not a not not a 250 you know 500 in Rotterdam again pretty decent field and um yeah it's for me it's crazy to think this is his biggest title win since the twenty twenty one US Open. And um you know, I think he played he played very, very well, I think later on in the tournament. I think, you know, he started a little bit shakily, dropped that first set to, to Davidovich Fakina um in his first match. But um yeah, in the final, I think it was just familiar stories with him and Yannick Sinner. It's a very nice matchup for Medvedev. If you look at their head-to-head, I think they're um, I think they're now six and zero in favor of Medvedev. And um, although Sinner was able to take that first set, again, Medvedev, I think, just adapted himself a little bit um, in the next two sets. And we all know his kind of court coverage, um, his amazing wall-like, octopus-like um, defensive skills. And I think they were really on show, particularly in the, the second and third sets. So no I think Sinner will be disappointed, uh, you know, after taking that first set, I don't think there was much he could do um, in terms of the way Medvedev elevated his game.
2: Yeah, because was coming back, uh, well, coming into this tournament off the back of a, a win uh, mm. in Montpellier, yeah. cl- clinching the title. So he was kind of going for, for two titles yeah. on the trot, really. Had a good
0: win against Sissipas as well. I think that was his yeah. his first win against a, a top three um, opponent. And I was thinking, ooh, you know, that's a, uh, yeah, I was watching the highlights and he was absolutely beaming after, um, you know, t- clinching that victory. And yeah, he, you know, he rode that confidence all the way through to the final. But I, again, it's just a little bit disappointing from Sinner because it's it always seems to end in a, a familiar story in terms of, oh, i come up against someone a bit better than me and they go on and win Allah, Daniel Medvedev.
2: Yeah, Casina was trying very much to kind of come in a lot more um in that mm. first set which did create a bit of doubt in in Medvedev's game um but you know Medvedev was kind of able to get on top of that and like you said that that kind of 6-0 head to head is, um yeah. you know it's hard to put <laughs> that out of your mind way. as
0: well isn't it going into a final
2: It is yeah and and Chris just sort of other results uh, from Rostam in the week uh Holger Runa had to retire. Um, just, you know, I'm not gonna come to you every week, don't worry, just because he's Danish and you <laughs> interviewed him. But just, you know, a bit of a shame. Shame there. He lost out to, to Gilles uh, Brewer, who's the, you know, one of the home hopes. But another home hope, Talon Griegspoor um getting to the, the semi-finals, and also a, a semi for, for Grigor Dimitrov. So were there any results in Rostam that kind of caught your eye this week, uh, Chris?
1: Yeah, I think um for me obviously it's great having Medvedev back and, and playing good tennis. I think that first match that he played was actually probably the biggest thing that kind of decided that whole tournament. I think Davidic Icvacina was playing very well and Medvedev looking at his coach being like, I don't really believe in my game and it's probably going to end up being a 6-4, 6-4 result, he said. That's why he had that sort of um, the rolling sort of motion because he said just keep, continue playing, keep playing, and you'll play yourself into form. So that was probably one of the biggest results of the tournament because if he hadn't have kind of got his act together, we wouldn't be seeing the resurgence of him here. Um, other other results, the Sinner thing, I I think he did well to pick up a 250 last week, but against Medvedev, I don't think it ever looked like he was going to get that done after that first set. I think he had a really clear game plan in the first set and then he was just trying to pull the trigger too early like he was out of ideas and you have to be really patient against someone like Medvedev especially on an indoor court and for me it was kind of um the lack of point construction in that last set it just felt like a bit of a foregone conclusion so there were some good matches earlier in the week I'd say obviously with Holger it's a shame that um he was injured and he had to pull out I think he'd been playing too much tennis I was shocked that he went from davis cup straight to montpellier and then to rotterdam and i think if you take an example of someone um someone like eager who's taking some time off she looked fresh as anything and she's even fresher after barely stepping on court this week so i think um maybe it'd be good for some of these sort of players who are really plugging away at the moment um such as sinner who's playing this week as well to take a bit of time um and kind of get their head straight and get themselves into peak condition because it did it like physically he was struggling Mm, It's quite difficult with scheduling, isn't it? I
0: did enjoy the fact that we did get a Stan Wawrinka-Richard Gasquet second round match in 2023. I mean, that's a a throwback, isn't it?
2: It's funny you mention Gasquet because I think this cues our newest segment. Who is the current top <laughs> yes, Frenchman in the, in the ATP ranking? He's the only French
0: <laughs> French male player, I believe, in the top fifties. Richard Gasquet. Yeah, he seems to be. Wow. He just seems to be <laughs> perennial, still doing it um, on the on the tour, which is which is fair play. He's got incredible like longevity. Um, but yeah, I was uh, yeah I was almost a little bit surprised because yeah because Vavrinka you know defeated Bublik I know Bublik's been been on a been on a bit of a losing streak I think he he stopped that today and yeah Gasquet came through PCB so um, yeah it was quite a quite a vintage um, quite a vintage throwback matchup there and and it was nice to see I think Grigor Dimitrov get to a, a semi final I think it's always nice mm. to see him play well get to the far end of a of a big tournament and um you had some very good wins particularly against the third set tiebreak was very very fine um had an incredible passing shot winner on match points so um yeah like uh, quite like seeing uh, dimitrov do well in that bottom half of the draw
2: yeah, I'm surprised Bublik has any rackets left to play with. Um, so. <laughs> they had to
1: borrow one, I heard that's yeah. the reason, yeah. oh.
2: Shouldn't go smashing them around, mm. should he? And just one last thing on Rotterdam, Joel. I know you are a purveyor of slightly odd tour yes. level trophies. The Rotterdam trophy. Explain. It's like a. I can't really make kettle. Yeah, of it. it's it's
0: it's like it's a very odd one. It's like a it's like a square that. that that, like youtubers get as a kind of a celebration if they get like a hundred thousand subscribers they go like a plaque and i i wonder if that was the inspiration behind what medvedev is seemingly holding which i feel looks more like a plaque than a trophy a window of an ice hotel
2: yeah it looks like something that would be on in the waiting room of a spa or salon it looks like something
0: he nicked from the that ice hotel in die another day doesn't
1: it it does a bit, but at Love least he's got himself Ron a reference. pretty hefty paperweight, you know?
0: Yeah, or doorstop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, doorstop, what great we doorstop, Rostop, Kim. Hey, well, you know, anything, anything, goes, anything goes when it comes to making up the, the, the trophy design of uh, an ATP and
1: WTA Tour event. It's stackable, Joel. That's quite good. <laughs> stackable, <laughs> unlike some of them, which are quite pointy. You might not get the Paris Masters trophy on true. the fly. That is
0: very true, yeah. Yeah,
2: at least you can transport the Rotterdam one home That easily. would be quite cool,
1: actually, um, for like... Imagine like
0: Rafa, you know, he's won like Barcelona like 11 times or whatever. And actually each each trophy was like a jigsaw or a part of a puzzle that, you know, completed a mosaic or, or something. I don't know, it'd be quite funny. <laughs> uh,
2: let's have a look at what happened out in Delray Beach, uh, which is the ATP 250 event. Uh, Cam Norrie, I think, was the defending champion here, but had elected to play in Argentina instead, uh, which we think is to do with, the fact that he was in Colombia for Davis Cup just prior. Uh, So yeah, defending champion, not uh, out in Delray Beach, but a whole plethora of as you would expect, uh, American players as it's uh, on their home turf. And it was an American player who won because it was Taylor Fritz who came through to clinch this title uh, up against the Serbian Miromir Kekmanovic in the final. uh, Six love, five, seven, six, two. So a bit of a second set hiccup for Taylor Fritz but he managed to come through pretty comfortably uh, either side of that second set um, to get uh, the title. Um, This is his fifth ATP Tour title and his first of the season. Um, Chris, what did you make of of the final and and Taylor Fritz this week? Um, he was the top seed. So theoretically on paper, it's it was his to lose looking at kind of the other players that we had in the draw.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's one of those 250s that we talked about, I think, last week that you expect the top seed to come away with it a bit like when Yannick Sinner took the 250 in Montpellier. And I think it was similar sort of results on the WTA where... Well, no, not similar because we thought Sakari would be the top seed that would seal it. So it doesn't always happen. It can be, especially playing at home, it can be a tricky one to kind of get over the line when there's all that home support for you. But obviously he likes playing in front of a home crowd, um, picking up the title, obviously Indian Wales last year. Um, in terms of the tournament as a whole, I think it's obviously it was very dominated by male players. It's a shame that kind of that Ben Shelton didn't go further. Um I mean, American players, I should have said, but... I
0: was going to say. I was wondering. I was where is this Yeah, I was just thinking that. Tournament. Yes, it is dominated. <laughs> I would like
1: to see more women in this draw. <laughs> it was actually... If, if well, yeah, I think Sloane Stephens, wasn't she about somewhere? Yeah. Playing an exhibition with Madison Keys, I actually think. That's actually true. Um, not made that up. But in terms of the Fritz result, I just think it's... Um, I, I'd like to get excited about Fritz, but at 2.50... Doesn't necessarily excite me that much, considering he's only won two Grand Slam matches in the last year outside of Wimbledon. So I just think it's, um, he's on sort of like on simmer for me until he does something big. He's now into and broken the the top five rankings. Doesn't feel right, I
0: don't think, personally. He's first American to do that since Andy Roddick back in September 20, uh, sorry, back Goodness. in September 2009. Um, So I feel like there's stuff to get excited there but for me this is a tournament that yes on paper and on court he is fully expected to win and I think he needs it given he's got Indian Wells coming up defending champion there's going to be big points there big pressure again and you know if he's playing like this then i wouldn't bet against him going on another you know really deep run um so i think it's, it's nice to see him kind of come through um you know with this result and um yeah i think maybe he's probably buoyed on
1: by all the the american success that we've had you know particularly on the men's
0: side this season
1: and break point maybe Breakpoint got the most followers out of break point i believe i saw a stat on oh, that so maybe oh. boosted by that extra <laughs> social media following <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, they, people obviously liked what they saw. Um, I kept Manovic also back into the top 30 after reaching his first mm. final uh, of the year.
0: No luck for Fernando Vadasco, Kim.
2: Oh, gosh, let's not go there. I think he's really had his day, hasn't he, now? Well, no, uh, he hasn't. On... He's
0: still getting the wild cards.
2: Well, but then he's losing in straight sets to Radu Albot. Um, does he want to be doing that? I'm not sure. He
1: should have gone to Buenos Aires and then to... Um... To Rhea because the anyone gets swing. in those draws. Mm. Yeah, he could yeah. have really got some <laughs> ranking points up. Could have
2: been out there playing the Serendolos and uh, what have you. But just before we depart Delray Beach, um, Joel, um, my favourite comment actually that you've sort of made on our little set of notes, um, you've put, uh, I quote, it's the return of the bloody car on tennis. Oh, court. I know,
0: I know. Uh, is this a pet it's me- you've of made yours, my blood Joel? boil. You've made my blood boil already. <laughs> yeah, we had the. We had the sponsor car on the court. I thought we had learned lessons from this, from the past of cars getting dense, cars injuring players. Oh, just goodness. put it on a platform or or, or or put it off the court. You know, we learned from the, the Porsche Cup on the women's tour. There's a perfect way to do it. And just parking the car on, on the side of the court, it's not the way to go. But I, I'm not a tournament organizer, so... I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave my my frustrations there.
2: Didn't make you want to buy the car then? Let's just say that much. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's have a look at the other men's tournament from the last week, which was out in Argentina, as we have alluded to. Uh, as another 250, the Golden Swing outdoor clay, uh, glorious clay, and we had uh, well former world number one, another former world number one, um, back to winning ways with Carlos Alcaraz uh, claiming his first title of the year he's he's been off the tour for several months um but he's back with back with a bang back with winning ways uh beating cam Norrie in the finals, 6-3 7-5 in straight sets um i mean again this kind of went i guess to the form book looking at the the draw and and the the seeder, seedings and and what have you chris what did you make of carlos alcaraz in the, in the first week back um you know seeing him back on the court he had a relatively comfortable week uh, dropping a set in his in his opener match. But what did you make of his performance um, back on a tennis court again?
1: Well, firstly, it's brilliant to have him back. I think we definitely noticed, you know, there's an absence um, when it came to the Australian Open um, of a player who was obviously at the time ranked number one um and so I think there's always a bit of a worry when people come back that it might not be you know a business as usual from the off I think we've seen that with Dominic Thiem a player who's you know won the US Open and then had some injury issues and he hasn't really been able to put the results together every time you think he might be it doesn't quite happen so I think there's always that that nervousness and say he hadn't won his first match we might end up in a situation where confidence does come into it but thankfully he had um some, some good matches and think uh, three is the perfect way to get yourself back into it um, and hopefully you know he'll be back in contention at some of these bigger tournaments um, but in terms of the rest of the draw I think it's always um, it's always good you know to see someone who doesn't necessarily do that well on clay traditionally in Cam Norrie you know I think it's clearly a bit of a focus for him this year um, he's playing in Rio as well so in terms of the British the British interest there Who knew that such a a flat backhand could be so effective on clay?
2: Yeah. Do you think their their tennis playing was better than their their Argentinian tango dancing? I don't know if anyone saw that slightly awkward video. I didn't see
0: this. What what was this?
2: (laughs) They, uh, who was it? It was Nori Alcaraz team and two Schwarzman. others, I think.
0: What
1: were they? And yeah. they auditioning for Strictly Schwarzman come dancing Argentina or something. It looked like that. It did look like that.
2: <laughs> well, they, yeah, they all, all got a ballroom dance. So sort of latched onto them and did a bit of a spin. But with they them. were in
1: normal clothes. So it was a bit mismatched, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. on the
2: ATP social media channels. If anyone wants to watch it. If you want it, to cringe,
1: check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: wonder if Cam Nori might get signed up for Strictly at some point. Um, but yeah, good week for Carlos, a good week for Norrie really getting to the final. It's no shame in losing to uh, Alcaraz in the final there. And yeah, um, a, a good week on tour for for Carlos. And I think he's very close actually to, um, to Novak in the mm-hmm. rankings. He's only within, I think, about 600 points. So we may well see the the, the number one ranking change again very soon. Um, we'll have to see how the, the lie of the points land and, and what happens with Novak and his... Uh, quest to, to play the various tournaments um on that note let's take a quick break uh, but do join us in the second half where we'll be discussing uh, mixed doubles in the upcoming tiebreak tens event uh, pre-indian worlds uh, what andy murray said that caused a stir on social media and we'll be looking ahead at all the results so far from the latest wta 1000 tournament in dubai so do not go anywhere
0: Burroughs furniture is built for the way you live
2: Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to look uh, at, well, we're going to move on to a path of the courts before we look at uh, the rest of the news and events from the last week on tour. Um, Chris, I believe you've got one up your sleeve for me and Joel this week, which does mean you you can't win this (laughs) week. I I hope you're aware of that.
0: But hopefully it means that Kim
1: can still lose. Ooh. No 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 oh, we I am can give fully banking the Kim. spoon of
2: shame again how about that Yes
1: we can bring that one back out, Joel. I think there's a reason why you seem to always be the quiz master when it comes to <laughs> Oh you think I'm courts. scared of losing so I'm always the quiz master I just think you know that the the real battles are between Kim and I in terms of some of those <laughs> Yeah you're not to be fair you not head wrong. to head fighting talk Well I thought um I always think I could do something pretty, pretty evil with these, and I decided that this time I'd go for something that was relatively topical. Okay, um, it is obviously Novak Djokovic who has now been ranked as the world number one player for a record equaling 377 weeks, um, which is matching Steffi Graf on that one. But that's the highest, um, the highest number of weeks at number one. And I thought we could take a trip down memory lane and name number one players but not just any number one players players who have been world number one on the ATP tour for more than 10 weeks
2: ooh more than 10 weeks ATP number ones ooh. okay I feel like there's quite a lot is there quite a lot
1: there what year there is are tw- this 20 answers ooh okay and what we're talking from? open era
2: okay right Well, who wants to go first Joel
1: well Joel has to doesn't he he needs the
0: okay. help yeah I do
2: oh I do. okay Right,
1: Novak Djokovic,
2: Roger Federer,
0: Rafael Nadal,
2: Andy Murray.
0: Okay, I'm already struggling. No, um, <laughs> uh, Leighton Hewitt. Pete Sampras Andre
1: Agassi. Very good.
2: John McEnroe.
1: Jim Courier. That is correct.
2: This is when you think a really obvious person. Yeah, no, that's like, isn't right, like yeah. what's that
1: that that boundary <laughs> between
0: non-open era and open era? Yeah, mm.
2: uh, Bjorn Borg.
1: Indeed,
0: Boris Becker.
1: Yes, that's correct.
2: <laughs> Jimmy Connors.
0: Yep, I think I just said Jimmy Connors. Kim.
2: No, you said Jim
0: Courier. Oh, did Jim I? Currier. I definitely <laughs> meant Jim. I definitely meant I thought I thought you <laughs> I meant, meant
1: him. I thought that was a bit rogue for you. <laughs> I did think
0: Jim Courier was a bit rogue. <laughs> um, Gustavo Querton. It's the correct
1: answer. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I've
2: got people in my mind, but I'm just questioning the ten weeks now. Rod Laver.
1: I think that's
0: pre open era. That
1: falls foul of well, open I thought, era yeah. Kim. I <laughs> thought,
2: hang on, hang on. I thought he merged the gap. You know, I thought he was like at the very start. Is
1: he the on the list, era. Chris? He's not on the list. Yes. Oh,
0: oh yes. Joel wins. Come on. Joel has won. Come on.
1: I will oh. have to say though, Joel, does. I mean, maybe he knew this, cutting it very fine with Boris Becker with 12 weeks. Really? Only 12 weeks? Wow. I mean, considering his pay at the BBC, that's quite surprising.
2: Mm. I should have just said Alcaraz because he's more than 10 weeks, isn't he? Yes,
1: Alcaraz was also correct answer at 20 weeks.
2: Medvedev.
1: Medvedev at 16 weeks. Andy Roddick at 13. Ivan Lendl.
2: Carlos Moyer.
1: Lendl, of course. Absolutely. Carlos Moyer did not make the number for that. You could have had Mats... Matt you could have had. Marit Safin was below. Oh. little Nasty you could have had. Um, also on the list, Stefan Edberg. Yeah. And then the final ones that weren't mentioned, I don't think, and we did we say John McAroe, we might have, yeah. but apart I did, from that, yeah. you said everybody. So Ooh, there were a okay. few current players you could have had. And I think that um, that was very generous of you, Kim. <laughs> To oh, let John I have know
2: the win. I, I went to old school and failed I should have gone for like
0: I'm not gonna lie outburst. I definitely meant Jimmy Connors and not Jim <laughs> Jim Courier was right ro- the more I think about it that was a wild guess
2: I mean yeah it was. I, I was wondering if you were met- meaning him but <laughs> anyway, it's all good. Well done, Joel. I, I've got well done, Joel. a spoon of shame Come this week. On. Come on. <laughs>
1: spoon of shame. Um,
2: let's have a look at what's in our mailbag this week because uh, Jackie has got in touch with us on Twitter. Thank you, Jackie. Um, Jackie has said that uh, Andy Murray recently uh, announced cheekily that he wanted to get into politics uh, after his playing days uh, are over. Um and I don't know if this was because of the whole Nicola Sturgeon resigning uh, news because I think she then quoted his his tweet. So anyway, um, the question from Jackie was, which other tennis players do you think would make good politicians and why? Um, I know there have been already some tennis players who have gone into politics. Um, but but yeah, Joel, have you got a, an immediate thought of who you think would be a, a credible candidate for for politician in somewhere, so, yeah. around the Cause, world because
0: Andy Murray tweeted interesting vacancy was looking to get into politics when I when I finished playing and I don't know if he was yeah I don't know if he was joking or being serious but he's never gonna finish playing joking. Joel he's
1: gonna keep playing when he's 99 he's he'll surely still be on the joking. tennis yeah. metal,
0: body. <laughs> metal he's a robot no um <laughs> no i mean instant names that came into my head one good one not so good roger federer i just think universal appeal approval ratings in switzerland would be through the roof um so i could see that and then on the other side i was thinking you know politicians you know they normally get a bad rap and a bad image you know shady dealings so of course boris becker i know we just said him but boris becker never too far from controversy so i feel like he would fit right in as a politician
2: hopefully he wouldn't be too much like the other boris but um (laughs) well well we don't know like the name the name might might i
1: mean sort of similar color hair right there are some skeletons in that closet that's for sure
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I the first person that came to my mind was, was Novak Djokovic, because, you know, we've seen with the PTPA, oh, he's yes. very sort of um, forward thinking, likes to sort of lead uh, and get involved in things. And I can totally see him being like a future president of Serbia. Um, mm. Because he's, you know, I think nationally, he is,
0: he's
1: a hero. Of-
2: favoured son of Serbia and I think if there was an election he would win by a landslide if he was to put himself forward at at home in Serbia so that was the first person that came to my mind Chris what 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 about you
1: well um I've gone for a sort of a a keep it in the family kind of approach to this one um I've gone for Maria Sakari because interesting fact her boyfriend Konstantinos Mitsotakis Is actually the son of the Greek Prime Minister, Kyriakos Mitsotakis. Um, And so I thought. Well, I thought potentially that might give her that insight into, you know, what happens in the political sphere. And I think that could be. um, Is that going to unlock her
0: semi final hoodoo then? Is that what you're saying?
1: Well, I was also thinking, you know, what, she, what would be a positive thing that could happen off the court for <laughs> Zachary, you know, to avoid mm. some of the pitfalls that can happen on the tennis court? I think once you've been elected, obviously you can get yourself into some trouble, but it's just one election and then she can relax a little bit, hopefully, for a, <laughs> a few years. But uh, I think Zachary would be my bet there.
2: I don't think you want a politician who can get in and then just relax for a few years. Well, I think she but... might have to play a tie break for a
1: while is what I'm meaning. A final set tie break. They're oh. out of the equation.
2: Talking of tiebreak, um, that brings us on to, uh, very nicely, a, a new event that's been announced called the Eisenhower Cup, uh, which actually, well, it's not really a, a new event per se. It's it's kind of the annual pre-Indian Worlds uh, tiebreak 10s uh, exhibition that, that normally happens. But they're doing a mixed doubles format this year um, and it's yeah, being called the Eisenhower Cup. But there's some quite fun pairings um, actually being announced. It's not, not necessarily... Um, done by sort of uh nationality because we've got some sort of mixed national pairs but um we've got the likes of arena sabalenka playing with with taylor fritz we've got on teaming up with kasper rude uh we've got future prime minister of greece maria sakari with (laughs) Stefanos sits and Igor viontek and hubert Herkish and emma radicani is playing with cameron norris so um yeah lots going on it's quite quite fun um Joe, what do you make of the the eisenhower card? yeah
0: i think it could be yeah quite fun quite interesting i it made me realize actually like there's not much you know when you get to these big high profile events there's not really much mixed action kind of going on um when both you know the atp and wta tours meet you know it's very oh we've got men's singles and men's doubles and we've got women's singles and women's doubles but i don't know is there an opportunity given you know the more of a spotlight that that mixed um and the combined format is is coming under is there an opportunity for more i'm not saying like massive draws but is there an opportunity for like a 16 16 person 16 16 uh 16 person uh mixed doubles draw perhaps at a future event is is what i was thinking off the back of this cuz you know some of these um pairings are are really fun i know it's going to be kind of exhibition style but I think, you know, people will get quite into it. And I want to see how Svanteca and Herkash get on because I thought they were one of the stories of the United Cup uh, earlier on in the season. So be curious to see how they do. And also Radicanu and, and, and Cam Norrie.
2: Yeah. Chris, is there any particular pairing that really, you know, catches your eye um, amongst the ones announced?
1: Well, for those of you who follow us on Twitter, quick plug for Tennis Weekly pod on Twitter. But... um. I have been tweeting about this when I saw it and I was a bit of a... Bit of a tongue-in-cheek tweet. I did say my prediction was that Casper and Ons will lose in the final (laughs) Um, for obvious reasons. I know, I know. It's it's much more um, above board than that normally. But I think that will be an exciting one. I'm looking forward to the flair of Ons, the shot-making of Ons in a tie-break with the reliability of um, a player you can... Dependability of Casper. I think those two personalities, I'm looking to see how that gels. I think that would be particularly interesting. But if I had to bet money on it... Jessie Pagula is cleaning up on the doubles court I think fresh fresh from her title in Doha defending the title and I think put it with anyone and I'd probably think that she's got a good shot on the doubles court with the play that she's got um, with the form she's got at the moment
2: Yeah, I have to say, I think the Pagula paul uh, pairing might be quite good, uh, especially given Tommy Paul, you know, good, good format in Australia. And yeah, Pagula and Goff won the the Doha doubles uh, just last week. So defending their title there. But this is all, um, for those of you who don't know what tiebreak 10s is, it happens all in the space of one evening. Um, Sort of, there's uh, first, first the 10 point tiebreak matches, and it's a sort of, elimination draw so seven matches all in the course of one evening so it's a really it's really a fun event and um yeah i think it's it's nice that they're doing it and like you said joe i would love to see maybe yes small mixed draws at these kind of Mm. mixed masters series events i think that would be really fun
0: i mean if if um, they're gonna be i think it'll be interesting to see how like competitive they are i just feel like if you're playing with players of your same nation and you're going to be playing against players of the same nation i feel like it's hard to take that competitive element out of it um so i'd be curious to see how um yeah how intensely they they take it on the on the eve of you know in, in indian wells proper
2: absolutely um let's just look at what we've got this week uh, there's already been some some results um actually in in play um on the men's side this week we've got uh, marseille and we've got Doha, which are both two fifty events. I've uh, also got the five hundred out in Rio, and um, for the women, it's it's mostly the WTA one thousand in Dubai. Uh, there's also a two fifty out in Mexico, the Merida Open. Um, but Andy Murray um, has has already been providing entertainment and drama as usual um funnily enough against lorenzo sonago uh, who has spent more than one second on a tennis court because they actually played each other and uh, it was a two and a half hour long match andy murray saving three match points um joel big murray fan what oh, did no. you make of
0: this? Sl- are we are we ever just gonna get an unproblematic andy murray victory um because it doesn't feel like we're gonna get one anytime soon um yeah i was i was curious to see how this was going to go because he got a wild card um you know had a very wild australian open very memorable australian open so i was keen to see him continue that form looks like he has been able to in in the same andy murray vein that we know um know fighting to the to the bitter end and it's also great to see liam Brody as well come through qualifying he's in the second round we've got murray versus zverev and we've got liam Brody, daniel medvedev um so i thought yeah that could be quite an interesting one i mean daniel medvedev that's a you know rotterdam rotterdam to doha rather than rotterdam to maybe marseille was a bit of an interesting one to me but um yeah be curious to see how that goes
2: probably more money in doha i would imagine
0: i mean the field actually in doha is is pretty tasty because yeah i was i was looking at it compared to the the rio open which is a 500 i mean the draws in doha and to be honest in in marseille they are stronger than than what is being served up in rio if i'm going to be honest
2: yeah, it often happens. A lot of players don't really want to go and play the the clay court events out mm. in South it's America. It's hard to do convince they.
0: people, I feel, to go play that five hundred if you haven't already played the build up two fifties um, out in South America.
2: Yeah, I mean, I suppose all eyes really, uh, especially on the women's side, the, the big event out in Dubai, the the one thousand event. If you look at the the first round draws, um, I mean, it's it's like the the semi-finals, finals of of Grand Slam, really. So some of the matchups that you kind of got, it's 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 such a stacked field. But you know, we were saying that about about Doha last week, and then look what happened. Shvontek wins uh, very comfortably. Um but Chris, do you have your eye on any particular matchups um that are due to hopefully take place in Dubai. Um and any, any <laughs> He's definitely more looking dependence. at the Merida
0: Open
1: where Sloane <laughs> Stevens, <laughs> yeah, I'm in Merida. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I'll throw you a bone up saying I'm very much looking forward to you know, we've got some a tasty section of the draw there, which is Garcia, Keys, Anisimova and Azarenka. One of those is going through to make I think that would only be a quarter final. So that just shows you how stacked that field is. Um and then if you look a bit further further down um in some of the less high profile tournaments i'm obviously in mexico um where joel and i i think will be glued to this <laughs> we've got his favorite magdalenette goat net is back in action as the number one seed and my favorite sloane stevens the number two seed and also throw in an alicia parks and i think that's joel's dream tournament so I think we might be over in Mexico. And Chris, Parks and Stevens are playing with each other in the doubles. So, are they? Yeah, so, They're on court I'm right now, They're on court actually. right now, yeah. So, I'm going to have to set an alarm <laughs> on my phone for those matches. <laughs> the meeting, the, the metaphorical
0: meeting of, of two thirds of the Tennis Weekly podcast happening right now.
2: They just need, what, Caroline Garcia down the other end oh, of the court yes. to make it
1: oh, three yes. of I us I think we would have booked court. a flight then. I'm pretty
0: sure we would have booked a flight. <laughs> we would have gone there, forced our way into media, yeah, definitely. We can expense it.
1: (laughs) No, we can't. (laughs) Sorry.
2: But yeah, on that note, I mean, we'll be back next week to talk about how Sloane Stevens got on in Merida. Um,
1: Doubles only.
2: (laughs) Doubles only, of course. Um, I'm also curious to see if Cam Norrie is just going to play Alcaraz again. (laughs) In the final of rio mm. and lose uh, as as happened last week uh, i feel like that could be a, quite a likely outcome um but yeah we'll be back next week to round up all of those events uh, as usual and we'll also catch up on how joel enjoyed his pancakes Ooh, and how yes. the pepperoni uh, inside the crate worked or, or not
0: i've got to go follow through now haven't i i've got to, i'm gonna to go to the shops right now and and get stocked up now. Um, yes. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast. Remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action to come from the ATP and WTA tours.
1: We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major podcasting platform out there. And if you like what you're hearing, and that means if you like the pancake chat, then make sure to leave <laughs> us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
2: You can also follow us on social media or email the show as well. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. Or you can email the show at tennisweeklypod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our website www.tennisweekly.co.uk.
0: And we will be back next Monday at Tennis Weekly HQ for another tour catch up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.